You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing the uses and benefits of glass onomers in pediatric dentistry. Our guest is Dr. Jared Johnson, a practicing pediatric dentist and diplomat of the American Board of Pediatric Dentistry. He has received advanced training in behavior management, sedation, hospital dentistry, trauma, special health care needs, interceptive orthodontics, space maintenance, oral hygiene, and dietary counseling. Dr. Johnson, it's a pleasure to have you back on Dental Talk. Dr. Klein, it's a pleasure to be here. I love the title of this one, G.I. Joe's Glass Animers in the Army of Pediatric Dentistry. So some of our younger listeners may not know what G.I. Joe is, but uh, I do because I was around when that was very popular. So to begin, can you briefly review some of the um, clinical applications of glass animers in pediatric dentistry? Yes, that's a great question. So glass animers are they're very great to use, especially in pediatric dentistry and geriatric dentistry. And it kind of fits, I guess, they're kind of similar patient populations where things need to last a while, but maybe not long enough. And maybe cooperation in both those populations can be very, very difficult. And that's one thing that is it's very useful to have another tool in your toolbox. So it can be used for sealants, glass number sealants, or I'll cover that here in a minute. But those are really great for young kids who may not be cooperative or teeth that are just dropping or moisture control may be difficult. Restorations, definitely a true glass onomer could be used in a class one restoration or class five restoration in a child. And if you look at the resin modified glass onomers, that's going to add a little more strength. And those can also be used for a class one, class two, almost exclusively now at my office and a class three restoration as well as a class five. Temporary restorations, we'll touch on that a little bit, hopefully later, but they can be great in helping diagnosing primary teeth that have deep lesions that are difficult to figure out if it's food impaction or irreversible phytis. And then the true glass animers are gonna dip back into the, what's becoming more popular these days is the SMART technique where we'll do a silver diamine fluoride, such as a Rebastar, and then follow that up with a glass animer after two applications to try to keep kids out of the operating room and undergoing sedation and having a little bit of time for them to grow and hopefully be able to minimize the need for treatment on that teeth. What did you guys do before glass animers? What did pediatric dentistry do? Well, I was high probably wasn't around then. So um, stainless steel crowns, you know, that was very common. Um, but it's, it's a great way because with kids, they're not always cooperative and you can't keep the isolation or get rubber dam on. And it's just a very, very conservative way to treat kids. I remember when I was in dental school, one of the first activities they had us do as freshmen was you would do this evidence-based learning uh, analysis on this paper. And they chose art technique. And I was like, that is not anything that I've ever experienced going to the dentist. And everyone in the class is like, this is crazy stuff. But now it's like all coming back and it, you know, it's gaining evidence and things. So it's it's really exciting to be able to have the use of glass onomers. Uh, it's, I think they set that up for the incoming freshmen to just give them a little uh, taste of, you know, the evidence and what's out there. Yeah, sure, sure. So glass onomers, they're, they're not all the same, right? I mean, I know that um, the, the true glass onomer has certain limitations. Then we have the resin modified glass onomer, obviously. So tell us what the limitations are as they're used in primary teeth. Yeah, so the true glass animer, there's a few different uses, but one of the number one that I use it for in my practice is for a sealant. And recently, this was a hot topic in one of the most recent publications. It was actually on the cover story of Jada, where they 
did a study at the Boston Children's Hospital, a three-year retrospective study, and they did a resin-based sealants, not uh, GI sealants. But they found out in that study that sealed primary molars were less likely to develop decay, and they were finding that some of these teeth were going with this in an outpatient setting were going uh, over two and a half years without getting a cavity, and the OR almost two years. And it's just great to be able to have a glass ionomer because if we look at the pediatric population, if we start to get an incipient lesion on a occlusal surface and we have a two or three year old, and you can go ahead and place a glass ionomer sealant such as Rego Protect that will seal that tooth and then we can get another maybe two years. Now the kid's five or six before we get a cavity on the tooth. And we can go ahead and now treat that patient with you know conventional behavior management techniques that aren't as aggressive as sedation. So that's one thing that has been really nice to add in as a true glass ionomer. Again, I touched on the sealants. They can be very useful on a six-year molar in a high-risk kid where the tooth's erupting and you have that tissue over the distal and you know you've got a incipient lesion starting and you know this is not gonna be a good situation if it continues the way it's going. So getting that on there in a wet environment. Hypoplastic molars are really tough to deal with for pediatric dentists. So that's one place I'll pick a GI sealant over a conventional resin-based sealant because I know it's going to bond to the tooth structure and last a little bit longer. And also, as I mentioned, primary teeth in uncooperative children is definitely a lot quicker than a resin-based sealant. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Reva Protect. I know that's uh, an SDI product. Um, how does the Reva Protect different than, like, for instance, the standard Reva Light Cure? So as far as the Reva Light Cure, so the Reva Light Cure is going to be a resin modified glass ionomer. The Reva Protect is more of a true glass ionomer. And what you're going to see is that if you add that resin component, you're going to be able to have a much stronger wear component. But I feel, especially in a sealant situation, that the Pure GI is going to bond to that tooth structure in a moist environment better than something with resin in it. Right. As we look at the Reva Light Cure, uh, I really like the Reva Light Cure HV. It's a resin modified glass onomer, and that's what I use for my class two restorations at my office for primary teeth. And these wear much faster than your traditional resin based composite, but I don't see the recurrent decay that I was seeing with traditional resin based composites. It's going to wear from the outside down in and you know, the tooth structure is going to remain healthy. So do you judge your success on if you had no wear or if the tooth didn't get another cavity by the time it fell out? And I feel it's more important that the child doesn't have to have that tooth treated again than having to get recurrent decay and leakage. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely true. It seems to me with primary teeth, you can really get away without using any restorative composites. I think it would depend on the size of the lesion and how long it needs to last. I think if you're looking at, you know, class one or, you know, small class two, in an older individual, you may be able to get away with it. If you're looking at maybe a three-year-old, I'm going to go with the stainless steel crown because that's not going to need treatment again. And then these larger lesions, you're not going to be able to get away with either a composite or an RMGI. In either of the cases, you're going to need a zirconia crown or a stainless steel crown just to protect the tooth. If you don't do that, you're going to be at a higher risk for fracture and then having to retreat the tooth or extract the tooth. Right, right. I should have clarified that question. I wasn't talking about full coverage, but yeah, absolutely true. How can glass onomers help in the diagnosis between reversible and irreversible pulpitis in children with deep carious lesions? This question 
certainly uh, is of interest to me as a retired endodontist, because even as an endodontist, it was quite challenging sometimes to discern between reversible and irreversible pulpitis. Yeah, and this is directly speaking to primary teeth. Um, what I'm saying is a lot of times where the parent or the caregiver will come in and the child has a toothache and they finally get in your chair and get to your office and the tooth is no longer hurting and the child says, oh, it feels fine. And the parent doesn't have any recollection whatsoever of if it was when they were eating something sweet, something cold, if it was when they were biting down on something hard. And a lot of times families will send like a babysitter or, you know, an aunt, an uncle, a grandpa, a grandparent, and they have no clue. So you're really kind of, you're fighting an uphill battle with the diagnosis. And Cole in 2013 published in the Journal of Pediatric Dentistry, a study they did where they wanted to look at how ITR or interim therapeutic restorations or sedative filling can help in the diagnosis of primary teeth. And what they found out in the study was that if they did ITR or placed a glass enamer, such as a pink RevaProtect, uh, and then had the tooth come back and got a better history, it significantly improved the success in interproximal lesions of the diagnosis. Uh, and that's huge when you don't have history and you're not doing anything very invasive with the interim therapeutic restoration. So it's a really nice way to be able to, in some questionable situations, be able to go ahead and put something in and you know it's not going to grow bigger and that that restoration is going to be able to last until you can come up with the proper diagnosis to either do indirect pulp therapy or maybe the tooth needs a pulpotomy or maybe it needs an extraction right. if it's irreversible pulpitis. No, no, that's a very uh, uninvasive way to, to get that diagnosis. Just basically time becomes your friend and you evaluate. Another issue I have is I'm booked out till January now for the operating room and it's October and we've got some of these kids that have very, very deep carious lesions. And if I can put a glass ionomer in there and have that not get bigger, it's also going to help me in the aspect of not having to do more extensive work when the kid's under general anesthesia. Right. One of the nice things about the Reva uh, Protect product, they have a pink one. So you can put a pink filling in a tooth and if they go somewhere else, the, that's a sign to the dentist that something wasn't done completely. We're talking about, uh, I guess, GI Joes here. And my dad, you might appreciate this, Phil. He's an endodontist, and this week he sent me uh, a little clip it from uh, an email he got. And he said that actually the initial IRM came out in three patriotic colors. Mm -hmm. It was red, white, and blue. And this was in the military. White was all the decay had been removed. Red was probably a direct pulp cap. And then the blue was that it was partial caries removal. Mm -hmm. So it's a, going back to IRM and, and the, you know, the military, that's another way that the, the colors can be used to signify that, you know, you didn't do a complete procedure with the pink. Very fitting for the military, for sure. Um, so the glass onomers, in this case, where you, like you say, you're booked out for so long, it buys you some time. And I'm wondering what percentage of cases you end up not doing anything more to the tooth. Well, most of these cases, I mean, there's a, there might be a case where you have an eight or nine-year-old and they've got a deeper lesion on a primary molar. And you're like, well, do I need to do something or not? A lot of times I'll go in there we'll just remove decay to the DEJ and place a temporary glass ionomer filling restoration, the true glass ionomer, such as, you know, the Reva Self-Cure, Reva Self-Cure HV, 
And those teeth, I don't have a problem with. Those don't need to last more than a year or two. And we have a very high success rate versus the alternative of doing nothing and have an emergency call at your office. With the ones that I place, these are usually ones that I'm planning for pulpal therapy if I'm placing that. If I don't think they're going to be big enough and they're waiting to go to OR, then I typically don't place anything because I know it's not going to get bigger in the, in the few months. Every one that we've opened up, we've had vital tissue inside. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's working out well for us. I'm sure there'll be a case where it doesn't work out, but that's better than doing the alternative of nothing. So one of the most challenging types of adolescent patients to treat, of course, um, as we all know, are those with extensive dental needs, high caries risk, and uh, limited finances, actually. Tell us how glass onomers can be used effectively to treat these kinds of patients. Well, this has got to be the one of the most frustrating things that, you know, I've had to deal with at my office, and I've had to redo some things. So it's not something you want to ever have to redo your work that you just did a year ago. But I've been, I've experienced where we have these high-risk teenagers with permanent teeth, and, you know, they're drinking a lot of sugary drinks, Gatorade, soda, pop, all those things. And I've had cases where I've put in composites. They look beautiful when they're done, and they come back in a year, and we've got recurrent decay everywhere. And it's just it's very difficult to treat these teens because they're at a point where they have some freedom, but they also aren't you know, as mature to be concerned about their health. And, you know, unfortunately, I've gone through that experience and I've had to make some changes in the way I practice. And what I've changed to do now is in these high-risk uh, kids, I started to use resin-modified glass onomers and glass onomers, and we try to get a, a baseline to establish their oral hygiene and diet and see if they're going to improve. And this is, you know, I serve a high-risk population. I serve about 73% Medicaid at my office. So, it's definitely been a huge asset and the way I've changed things. And this was really taught to me at the University of Iowa. And they have a program there that they came out with for dental students. And it was for a rampant caries control program and their protocol. So this was published in 2007, uh, Journal Dental Education. You can get this free online if you want to learn more about it. But what they did was they created a program for high-risk individuals. And this is these are these teams that have really extensive needs on multiple teeth. And it's just, you don't want to invest a lot of time if things aren't going to change. And what that consists of, you do a caries risk assessment, you find out what the, what's causing it in their mouth, then you'll go ahead and treat their acute needs and then start caries removal on things that can be saved with ITR. So you'll just get in, treat as many teeth as you can, remove decay as deep as you can without exposing the pulp, you will clean the dent and enamel junction so you have a nice seal, and then go ahead and place glass onomers. And you can do multiple teeth in one visit, and then you'll go ahead and follow it up with home care instructions and maybe, you know, if you want chlorhexidine or what I like to do is a 1.1% sodium fluoride or Prevedin toothpaste for them to use at home. Obviously, you got to tell them that if they aren't using the toothpaste, it's not going to work. But I wanted to share with you a story. I had a special health care needs patient at my office, and he presented with very, very deep caries lesions on all of his permanent molars. He has borderline non-restorable anterior teeth. You know, that classic patient that's been drinking a lot of soda. And the family, they actually, you know, they're a cash pain family for me. And I said, well, I, I don't know what to do here because I don't want you spending all this money if the habits aren't going to change. So let's just do this protocol. Let's put in interim therapeutic restorations with glass onomers. And then we'll reevaluate things in six months. And we put them on, 
we did all, you know, all of his permanent molars and we didn't get to his anterior teeth because they didn't fall off. I'm guessing it could have had something to do with finances at the time as we used most of their benefits. But they came back a year later and I hadn't seen them in a year. And guess what? All the molars that they had treated, there's no apical pathosis. There's no recurrent decay. The child had new decay on other surfaces where the glass isomers weren't placed. But all these molars were holding up. We ended up getting to his anterior teeth here recently. We're going to see how they do. We may need more work on those given the time that went by. But we're going to move forward with, you know, restoring his posterior teeth with something more definitive at this point. It's just, it's amazing what these products can do. And the individual is working on things. He switched, you know, from regular soda to diet now, which is not ideal, but it's better than the alternative. And, you know, I didn't think, I mean, this, it, this protocol works. If the individuals buy in and the glass hammers, they release fluoride, they pick it up in conjunction with the fluoride toothpaste, you can have some great success. And it's just been really exciting <laughs> to see that case come back. I never thought I would see it again, but I was nervous when we were getting all those periodicals that something was going to have to be done as far as a molar endo or anything or extraction that was yeah. indicated. Great service to that patient. And uh, what you're doing in your office, Dr. Johnson, is a great service to the community, especially in cases where the finances limit what a, what a patient can do. But it shows you with the advancements in these materials, especially with the uh, reinforced glass onomer restorative, which still gives the benefits, as you say, of the ion exchange, um, and the carries management through the fluoride release, but it does have additional strength through, through the resin that's that's added. Um, it, it lasted, and it worked very well with this particular story. So that's a real true success, and that's what uh, the profession is all about. We thank you very much, Dr. Johnson, for your input. For those listeners that have not tapped into Dr. Johnson's previous podcasts, I recommend you doing so. They're great, and his webinar was fantastic. It was done in uh, early October. So I don't know when you're going to be listening to this podcast, but it was early October 2019. Uh, just do a search on vivalearning.com. Just type in Johnson. You'll see his webinar, Treatment for Deep Caries Lesions in Vital Primary Teeth. Worth seeing. Excellent presentation. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun, and hopefully we'll get a chat again here in the future.